Life Audio. Hey, it's time for Cynthia Garrett's Girl Club. I'm Cynthia Garrett, and I will be right with you in just a moment after this. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hello, everybody. Good morning, good night, good evening all over the world. I'm Cynthia Garrett and welcome to Girl Club. You are the, you are in a place where, um, every week I have to tell you, it's, uh, we are transparently living and teaching and really actively seeking to apply our faith to life and to teach you to do the same. Um, the beautiful thing about Girl Club is that we teach and lead by example. And I find that to be such a special thing about this podcast, this live stream, this ministry. Um, Real girls having real talk about real issues, seeking to apply real faith. That's what Girl Club is. And if you're not a member, I encourage you to join by signing up through CynthiaGarrett.org. You can watch us and interact live with your comments every week at... uh, the Cynthia Garrett Ministries YouTube channel. And we're on a number of Salem platforms like LightSource and OnePlace. We're on your favorite podcast platform everywhere. And we are hosted by a wonderful, wonderful Life Audio um, platform. And uh, it's really good. And we're really glad to be with you each and every week. Joining me this week is the entire Girl Club crew your regular co-hosts, teachers, sisters in Christ, leaders, evangelists, worship leaders. It doesn't really get much better than this crew of sisters that I get to uh, rock through every week with right here on Girl Club. So all of you say hello to Christina Reynolds, Nova Page, and Christina Boudreaux. And, you know, so before we get started, I just want to remind all of you, if you're just now tuning in, we've been really rooted in a place that I realize is just the foundation of every crisis or struggle or challenge that you have in life, identity. We are living in a time when I believe that there is a massive identity crisis in our nation and in our world spiritually. People just don't know who they are as created by God, as sons and daughters, as people who are saved by Christ. They just don't know you know, and even those of us who claim to know often get really shaky in our foundation because life is a struggle. And as real girls having real talk about real issues and seeking to apply our real faith, we know that up close and personally. But the one thing that we've been doing is going through some of the cornerstones of what you should know about your identity, because it's important. It's important that you understand, first and foremost, that you're a saint. You're a part of the family of God. You're in a household of believers and faith. And that's why fellowship is so important. It's so important because iron sharpens iron, as the Bible says. And the more that you seek to confront your problems in life by getting the counsel of other people of like-minded faith, the more encouraged you are, the stronger you are, and the fuller your life will be. The second thing you need to know and remember is that you're blessed. And I know that it doesn't feel like it sometimes, you know, and that's why it's important to really understand 
what it means to be blessed because God, as it says in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, God is the one who is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work. The third thing you need to remember, and this is a tough one when you're feeling overlooked and forgotten and hurt by life and people. The third thing you need to remember is that with God, you're appreciated. That's a part of your identity. You need to walk every day knowing that your life is appreciated. You're seen by God. He appreciates what he created with you. He understands the identity that he wants you to walk in and he understands the life that he wants you to live, the standards by which he wants you to live that life. You're appreciated by God. And that's a really big one for a lot of us. But God rejoices over us with singing, as it says in the Bible. The fourth thing you need to remember, and this was a big one that we've spoken about because I I, I never really looked at it as a past thing, a present thing, and an ongoing thing. And that's that you're saved. You are saved. We're saved from the messes that are challenging us today. We're saved from the people that treat us unjustly. We're saved even from our own stuff. When we entered into a covenant with with God through Jesus Christ, our savior, we entered into so much more than just the ability to call ourselves Christians saved by grace. That grace is active every day in our lives. It's alive. And we are saved continually by a father who loves us, by a father who's king over all things, by the creator of all things. We are saved. So the fifth thing that you need to know about your identity is that you're reconciled, which really and truly plays perfectly well after understanding that you're saved. Because when we're saved, we're reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, our savior. And that reconciliation to God is a big thing because it really gives us a role model to seek to be reconciled with many things in our lives that seem unfair. It seeks to help us be reconciled with other people or situations that have harmed us. Reconciliation is strongly based in forgiveness. So just as we're saved and forgiven of our sin, we're able to walk in forgiveness and extend that forgiveness to other people, you know, and that's a big one. Cause I know that it's often hard to forgive the mess and the people that just dump on our lives every day, but you know what we're supposed to, it's a gift that we've been given and it's a gift that's for us. If we give it to others, because it doesn't mean that we're going to reconcile ourselves to, you know, a serial killer or to someone who's harmed us or abused us and allow them to do the same thing to us again or to our children. But it does mean that we're going to cut the chain of what they did off of our leg and Mm. give the right to judge Mm. them over to God so that he can carry what it is that they've done and he can judge it and he can deal with it. And you can walk in the freedom of your freedom. So the thing that we're going to focus on today, which I find to be perfectly timed, um, is that, yes, as part of our identity, we are afflicted. And what does that actually mean? Well, let me read something to you first before we dive into this next point about the things you need to know about your identity. Everyone in this fallen world, Christians and non-Christians alike, must endure suffering, period. You don't get a pass on the suffering thing. However, as a Christian, your suffering can actually accomplish good. It can accomplish redemption and have redemptive purposes. Rather than asking why, God, when you suffer, ask who. Instead, shifting your focus from trying to figure out something that you may not be able to understand and towards seeking God himself, who promises to always be with you. Ask Jesus to use the suffering you experience to make you more like him and point more people to him. I got to tell you, that's a big one. Rather than asking God why or asking yourself why, when you suffer, ask who, who, who. 1 Peter 5 verses 8 to 10 says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, 
Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. 2 Corinthians 4 verses 16 and 17 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. John 16, 33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, affliction, suffering. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. Mm. I got to tell you, before we started today, um, the girls know, uh, I woke up and was sharing with them something that I really makes me feel the weight of being afflicted right now. And I find it no coincidence. It never, it never is. We seem to be tapping right into wherever the Holy spirit is, not just with each of us personally, but with all of you, um, every week. And isn't God just like that? But Suffering and feeling afflicted is a part of our existence as Christians. Mm. We live in a fallen world. You know, we live in a world that was not the one created by Christ for us. Mm. God didn't intend for us to live in a world of sin outside of his kingdom. And our faith is really rooted, I think, in the fact that somewhere in all of this, we need to be alert, like Peter says, and understand that the enemy is prowling around looking for us to devour, to devour. But in resisting him and standing firm in our faith, we can find some sort of comfort in knowing that other people around the world are going through the same things, you know, and it's God who'll make us strong and he'll make us firm and he'll make us steadfast. So I guess I just want to open it up to you guys and just kind of get your comment on the fact that even in our identity, we're afflicted, that's wild to me, you know? And in your afflictions and in the things that have afflicted you, what have you struggled with? So Cynthia, I, um, so like I woke up this morning with, so long story short, just walked out of a crazy season you know, with arthritis, a bunch of other things. And about um, probably a couple weeks ago, the Lord gave me a song that I've been, I played for my friend and it was about, it came out of the story of when Paul and Silas were in prison and they were chained, but that in the midnight hour, when they were found, they were found worshiping, right? And sometimes in our seasons of affliction, It's so like when we're found in that place, like when God unlocks the door and finds us, will we be found worshiping or will we be found saying God, like judging God and saying, you know, all these things. Right. And um, this song is so raw and I want to play it for you guys right now on my guitar, if that's okay, because I truly believe that this song is from the Lord, man. It's from the Lord because this last week I had to walk through the fires of hell with something in my life. And this song is what got me through. And at the end of this prison, when the Lord found me, my hands, the weight of what I was going through, these chains did not keep me from lifting my hands in worship to the Lord. I was found with my hands praising the Lord in the midnight hour. And so, amen. excuse me. Um, I'm going to put this, my computer right here. And to all my friends on girl club, I'm not like Nova and Christina. I'm not like, this is like, this is very raw for me. Okay. But I'm going to sing this song for you guys, because this is a song that I believe the Lord gave me, not just for um, 
not just for myself, but this is something so real that I just had to walk through probably the most painful season of my life. Yeah. That it was so painful that it brought arthritis into my life because of that pain. And on Thursday, when it finally cleared, Hmm. my pain was gone. And that's when I knew that it was related to this situation. I just had to walk through. Yeah. You got a physical affliction, which a lot of people, you know, a lot of you listening can probably really relate to because a lot of people get physical manifestations of mental and emotional trauma um, in their lives. Yeah. So this song is taken out of Acts chapter 16 and it's called Place of Praise. And it talks about how when God finds us in our pit or in our prison, will we be found worshiping and what will that posture be? So I hope this blesses you guys as much as it has blessed me. I shared it with my friend this week and it, um, it blessed her and her husband as they're going through some health things. And I just, I hope this blesses you guys. So it's called place of praise. truly a picture Mm. of that when we're in the pit or prison of life Mm. and we are being so afflicted that the chains are weighing us down so much that when God takes the keys off the ring and walks down into the prison, will there be a song heard in the, through the prison walls? So that when he opens the gate of the prison, where are, will our hands be lifted to him in praise? So that at the end of this prison or whatever pit or prison you're in, will you be able to say that our pit and our, and our prison, if we give it to God, will be a place of praise? And that's what the end of the song says, that my pit and my prison 
have become a place of praise. Yeah. And that is what this season for me of walking through the hardest, gnarliest thing I've ever had to walk through that I can say, God, when you found me on Thursday night, yeah. my hands were lifted in worship to you. And yeah. this pit in prison I was in has turned into a place of praise. Amen. So yeah. that's a powerful praise. It's a powerful praise report, you know, yeah. because I, I, I do. It's really, it's interesting. Well, you know, I'm sitting here at Christina and it's like, <laughs> for those of you listening or watching, you, you, you get our reactions in real time, you know, because we don't, we don't get together and script what happens on girl club. We truly <laughs> give it, we truly give it to the Holy spirit. And so I got to tell you that song, you know, it, it reminds me of so much. First of all, you know, the scripture that says though, though he slay me yet, will I still praise him? You know? And, and, but, but it's, it's, but it is true, Christina, that oftentimes the place where we feel imprisoned it can become a place of praise. It can become a place of, of breakthrough. It can become a place of breakthrough for other people. Yeah. You know, and it, and it really reminds me, you know, that victory and defeat are really within our grasp, you know, in terms of a choice, you know, so that we have to make a choice, you know, um, and so when you, when I asked the question, you know, don't ask why, but ask who, I think the answer from you, Christina, is that honestly, um, in asking who, you know, in giving you that song and those words, the who was for all of us, you know, not why am I going through this, but Lord, who can I bless because of this? I mean, that is, it requires, look, the re, you know, I'm sitting here and I think about the depth of that. I mean, that requires a ton of unselfishness to be able to, in your deepest hour of pain, not say why God, but who, because it's human to lay there and cry and say, why God, why, mm -hmm. why me, you know, but to be able to get to the, okay, who's going to get helped because of it? No, but you, you, you have your breakthrough assassin cup. I guess when you get to asking who, that's when you become the assassin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so interesting. So interesting. Well, uh, there's, there's two things that kind of popped up in my mind from just personal experience this past week. So my family and I were supposed to be on a missions trip. It, with, I don't want to go into all the details, but it did not happen. And when I got home, my back seized up from some of the stress from the situation. And um, it was like I couldn't move. And it was interesting because I had I, ha I was felt so afflicted in my body. Like there was so much going on inside of me and my body was just like screaming. And I mostly just wanted to stay in bed. But my husband had been seeing this like seriously miracle working chiropractor who loves Jesus. And he's not a typical chiropractor where you just go in and he's like, yeah, I mean, let me look at you. Oh, your leg's shorter than the other. Let me just crack you up. He actually inflicted more pain upon me <laughs> in order to get me to a place that I could move again. And he described to me how it's not your bones and, or you think it's this muscle. He goes, it's the fascia um, that where I am not a science or I don't know anything really about the body too much apart from, you know, body parts, but basically the fascia is connects your muscles. And if that gets seized around the muscle, then your muscle overcompensates and it becomes this big ball. And so you have to work on the fascia in order for your muscles to be free, but it is so painful. Yeah. And he put, there was so much pain and he was like, Nova, you have to breathe through this. You have to give it away. You have to breathe deep and let go. And I really felt God just like speaking to me about my life and the pain of the past five months. And he's like, Nova, everything's here. You're, you're intact. All you have to do is let go 
so that you can move through the pain. You can breathe through the pain and move freely. And it's interesting. I I attended a, a big party for a friend, a mentor who was who's turning 60. And there was an opportunity for me to take two directions in this um, in this time, right? So I there were people there that from my past that, you know, um, you know, when someone comes, it, it's like, it doesn't even have to be the person, but comes from your past. And it just kind of re-traumatizes you. And the Lord, the day before, a couple days before had, um, I went to a, this Bible study that talked about being, um, about God's goodness and how we can create, um, cultures of goodness, pockets of what the Bible calls Tove. And, you know, um, it was, would have been very easy for me to go into this situation and feel so afflicted. And I kind of was, but God said, how do you, if you're asking the question, like, not why, but like who, how can I be in this situation, create this place of goodness, like the goodness of God, these pockets of good for other people. So as opposed mm-hmm. to just looking at my own affliction and my own flares, he's like, but I am here and I am your goodness. I am your tove. So how do you create a pocket of goodness for others and like set your affliction aside or don't focus on that. And you focus on my goodness and, and really the person that we were celebrating is that for other people. So I just, I looked at her as a testimony because, you know, sometimes we need people to live it out. And she has lived that out of being that pocket of toe, that pocket of goodness Mm -hmm. for people. And in our own afflictions, um, I think we have a choice, right. To worship Mm -hmm. and then say, who, who can I become uh, a pocket of goodness for a pocket of toe? So I, I kind of, I know that's kind of like a, a lot for this conversation, but I, I really was like, man, I have an opportunity here to either praise God, right, Christina? Yeah. yeah. Um, or decide like, who, who is it that I worship? Am I worshiping my yeah. pain? Am I worshiping yeah. my past? Am I making my pain an idol in my life? Yeah. Or am I going to worship the father and yeah. be a part yeah. of his goodness, be a part right. of his pocket of goodness, his tove for other people and yeah. set and, and not God never minimizes it. So don't hear me wrong. He doesn't ever minimize it. It's just, it, it's just, it's like he was just starting to take away some of the layers of how yeah. I, you know, maybe in inadvertently, like many of us have, but I just, you, you inadvertently start to give so much attention to to your trauma where it becomes your idol. Right. And I, I felt like the Lord was not unkindly. was just like, you, let, let me be, let me be your, your goodness right now. Let me be your pocket of toe. Yeah. So I, you know, yeah, it was a, a, a lesson for sure. Um, on, on, you know, we all, we all have those spaces and places in our life where, it's hard, but what will we do? Right. Christina, we, we worship and we come out, we come out of it. How about you? (laughs) Gosh, this is such a heavy subject because (laughs) it's something that none of us can like run away from. We can't like live a life that is free of suffering. Mm -hmm. Suffering is part of being alive on the earth right now. And um, currently right now I have a handful of fathers, a handful of fathers and mothers in our community who, who are afflicted with cancer Mm. and like really bad. Um, One woman specifically kind of like took me in under her wing, you know, in 2020 and like just became a, a big sister to me. And she's like in her, like just turned 50 kind of like, the most fun, joyous, Jesus loving, just amazing, like big sister to me. And she was miraculously cured of cancer in April, 2021, like miraculously, like no chemo, no nothing, just 
prayer and just trying to live a healthy lifestyle, going the natural way and she was miraculously healed. And then fast forward to September, 2001, um, she went back to Taiwan for a trip, was having some chest pains, just some weird things, but she was doing all these detoxes and all this healthy stuff. And turns out that she, um, that her, her, her breast cancer came back and then was spreading like a wildfire. She had tumors in her brain and spreading to her lungs. Her, I mean, it's in her blood right now. So she's been battling cancer completely throughout her entire body since September, 2021 until now. And it's been very painful because there's been so many, you know, words spoken over her and like prayer meetings. I'm talking like the community came around and like prayer meetings, like every Monday for her prayer, fasting. Um, and just, uh, just like a week ago, finally kind of, she's giving up, you know, and she's, and she's really suffered a lot. It's been, and she's had, she's just had like her, basically the, um, the cancers in her, uh, in her blood. So her, her veins are rupturing everywhere. And she's been, she's having internal bleeding. She can't eat. She can't, um, she's just in like so much pain. And it's just like, so heartbreaking because the Lord has given her so many dreams and promises about things that she's, that, that she's to do on the earth, you know, or maybe, I don't know, maybe it's in the next life. I don't know, but that's just one, that's just one example of like the suffering that like I'm being surrounded with, whether it's like family members or people in community who are really battling cancer, like cancer. I hate cancer. Like why? And it makes me go, ah, why, Lord, you know, why are we like able to be under the, like what seemingly the affliction of the enemy Mm. because God is not the God of sickness and affliction and cancer. Mm. He's not, you know, so there's been all these like questions because it's felt so heavy, you know, like my prayer, my prayer times are so long. I feel like I don't have enough time to pray because there's so much to pray about. There's so much, like so many burdens to like cast upon the Lord, you know? Um, But what's really sweet is that I feel like the Lord has just been like speaking to me. I've been, um, speaking to me about suffering and about just kind of like, like kind of giving me like just this awareness of how much I set my focus and my value on this life and what the present, what's in front of me, what's in front of me for the next 10, 20 years. And how I've, even though I'm supposed to be living as a pilgrim on this earth, I have been putting way too, I mean, don't hear what I'm, don't hear something different. All I'm saying is I've, for me, myself, I've been putting too much stock into this life, I guess, success, finances, my family, you know, like my, my career people, like what what are they going to do? You know, I don't know. It's been so temporal, I guess. And, um, the Lord has really been comforting me with just the reality of eternity with him and how all those, all those verses that you, you shared just, earlier, Cynthia, this momentary light affliction, like what is it working in us? Like it's not on to nothing, even though from the human perspective, my dear friend, you know, anyone could say from the outside, well, why isn't she just like, I've heard people say, well, what's the point of living? Why is she holding on? Just like, let go, just like go be with God. Like, you know, there's just like so much, but it's like, I truly believe that like, this is working in her something that is going to be yeah like as and as, glorious as, you right know? as if she could say okay that's it i'm done it, you know it's wednesday at three o'clock i've had enough all right lord take me home it's not how it works right but like but that even that i mean so there's you see the flip side of like just going well i'm just gonna go and be with the lord and whatever and then you see the other flip side of people holding on for your life like not you know but i i really do believe that like Everyone suffers, but for us who have hope, we have hope in the in the resurrection. We have hope in Christ. Like suffering is unto something glorious. It 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 can work something in us that's going to have eternal value. So that when we stand before Him, we can offer Him this gift of like love. I mean, I I don't know if you guys know, but um, Mike Bickle, he's he's um. He leads the International House of Prayer that's been going on for like 20 plus years of night and day worship. His brother at a very early age was 
was paralyzed from the neck down. And like, I just remember like Mike, you know, preaching, talking about that inner life of like in the midst of your suffering, the midst of the pain, how you can, you can love the Lord and give him such, um, undistracted devotion that is going to set you up. That's like, like, I believe that he's like ruling and reigning right now. So I guess it's, for me, it's just been kind of like a switch. There's been a comfort even in the midst of suffering because it isn't in vain. It isn't unto nothing. Like I even think Christina last week, you're talking about how you were a religions, you know, major and you learned about all these different religions. I've recently been learning about Hinduism and Tibetan Buddhism and you, and thinking of like, religions that are surrounded around pain and suffering that are unto nothing but more pain and suffering. We in Christ have hope. We really do. And like, I do believe that when there's a crushing, there is there, we have this ability when we're crushed to be a fragrance of Christ, just as he was crushed for us. And like, I really do believe it's that, it's that perfume of love. It's that perfume of that gift of love that we get to Mm -hmm. give, that gift of praise that we get to give in this one time in our life that we even have the ability to suffer. Like there will be no more suffering when we are with Christ. There'll be no more suffering when he comes back onto the earth. Like that marks it no more. But like, there is something so beautiful of being able to, like you said, over breathe and I don't know. I just, I, I don't want to make light of suffering, but I'm, I feel like the Lord is bringing me comfort in mm. the midst of it, that it, it's unto something, you know, mm. not that it's, yeah, it's, not it's, not it's not the end. It's not, it's not the end. Yeah. It's not, it's not the end of the story. Yeah, that, that, no, yeah, it produces something in us. Like, and exactly. it, 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 it's, I mean, I can only just think of like, I don't know, it just sets us I mean, it ends up setting us free eventually. Like, yeah, it does. Well, knowing no, and knowing Christ's suffering, yeah. um, he it set us free. His suffering, yeah, unto death, set us free, and I he's he's acquainted with with all of it. And I, 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 Christina, I mean, I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm just like drinking in all the things that you just said, and I'm like. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) I'm a little like taken aback by just the some of the things that you shared and just thinking about your your dear friend and and her suffering that it is she is moving into that eternal space and place and it man it's the perspective is just so wild. Well, yeah. yeah, and God's God's not finished with her yet. And, and I got, you know, my cousin, uh, Jennifer had ALS and she lived a long time with it, you know, and she really thought that she was going to beat it. I mean, I know no one who had her faith in the, in the face of suffering, you know, and, and as her body withered and her mind and her mind never went, that's the tragedy of Lou Gehrig's disease. You know, her mind never went, um, Mm. But she just knew she was going to live to see the cure and she didn't. And I mean, I'll tell you, that has caused me to ask some questions more than once of why, you know, Mm. now I know she taught faith. She was an example of faith to so many of us, you know, when she was around, but then she didn't win. So how deep is the lesson when you go, Oh my gosh, she didn't win the battle. But then again, there's the other side of it that says, yeah, but if I were going through what she went through, how beautiful to go through it with absolute faith that you're going to be healed. I mean, it was the opposite could be that you go through it miserable, that you're going to die. You know what? So what wins in that moment, your faith or your fear? And I got to tell you, I've had fear win in moments where I'm quote unquote healthy and fine, you know, and it ain't fun for your fear to be the one driving the car. It's not fun. It's not productive. It causes you to languish and perish on the vine slowly. Like that doesn't seem to that that's completely the opposite of what God would have for any of his kids. I know that mm-hmm. much. I mean, I even, I look at these comments, you know, from Teresa, I, she says, I say, why when, when God is my healer, 
yet I'm not healed. And, you know, I've been wanting to kind of just address that one because it's really where we are, right? Like, God, I'm afflicted. You haven't removed the affliction. Why? It's natural and human to say why. You know, I, I think I think it must take a level of spiritual closeness to God and maturity and direction to be able to break through to that place where you can say, okay, God, I'm not healed, but who can I heal while I'm still here? Who can I reach for you while I'm still here? I mean, this is like, I mean, I'm like, it's easy to talk about this stuff, but it's hard to live. It's it's frigging hard. Like, you know, to die to yourself so Mm -hmm. much while you're maybe dying is what you feel Mm -hmm. like when you're afflicted with an illness, a physical illness. And look, Roger, my husband teaches, he teaches a healing service every week at Calvary Chapel you know, in California. And uh, a lot of times he'll fly back to do it. And I have watched him lay his hands on hundreds of people and watch them get healed. Mm. I've seen him be, be used as, I mean, even twice in really and truly bringing someone back who had crossed into death. Mm. Yet he's been battling this thyroid cancer that kind of will pop up in his lymph nodes around where the thyroid was removed. And we just got news last week that he has to have a fourth surgery. Like it's been like four surgeries in three years. There'll be two this year. We started this year with a surgery and we're going to end this year with a surgery. And I pray to God that that's all it is, is that it's a surgery and that they will finally get the last of it out of him and that he will be healed. My hope and my faith and my prayers are there. And I know God hears our prayer and our prayers, but I mean, I look at him and I think, why is he afflicted? My husband is like one of the all-time great men on the planet, you know, Mm -hmm. and he's a good man of God. He never curses. He never raises his voice. He never gets angry. He's always the first one there to speak faith, to pray. He holds me together. Lord knows in my faith journey, he's responsible for my faith, even growing from a little girl to what it is today. And he's, ah, oh, thanks, Sienna. <laughs> if you're watching on live stream, you're looking at a bunch of little hearts uh, going across the screen. If you're listening on podcasts, just know that uh, the, the studio is full of hearts right now because my husband really is that guy. Yet I look at him and I have moments where I go in the closet and I'm kicking the walls going, why God is he afflicted? I mean, like, I'm the horrible one, you know, (laughs) like, why him? By the way, why him and why not jerk number two who lives down the street next door, jerk number 49 that we dealt with on the phone last week? Like, why not all these horrendous men (laughs) that hurt the women I love that are driven by money and all this stuff? And you know what? Have to put that away. Like when I find myself there, I have to put it away and I have to remember not just who God is. I have to remember who he wants me to be, you know, because my husband never forgets all through it. He even told me this morning, he said, honey, you're overwhelmed and you're sad for all this stuff. I'm the one who's got the stuff in me and I'm happy. I'm fine. And I'm like, so Roger, so Roger. Which of course so makes, makes me feel worse. Like I, I keep leaving the room because I don't, I'm like, oh great. I'm going through mental inner battles. I don't want to lay that trip on him because my fear, I don't want to put my fear on him. So I just like leave and go try to deal with it because he's not living there. He's not in the fear zone, you know, but I am. And part of my fear is even selfish. Oh God, what's going to happen to me if my rock isn't here? Well, Jesus is supposed to be my rock and he's supposed to be the one who takes care of me. And he's what I have if my husband's not here. And I almost have to say it so the enemy can stop using it to mess with my mind, mm-hmm. you know? And then I think about, well, you know, we're in a, a pit. This is a pit right now for me. Yeah. I mean, may, you know, I, I, the, the answer for many of us could be, literally put on some praise and worship music and start praising him through it Mm -hmm. because you're going to get through it. 
He already knows an outcome. He died so that we'd be healed. I think he wants all of us to be healed, but I do think all of us have an appointment Mm. to see him. Mm -hmm. And so we don't, I don't own my husband as much as I say that. Wow. He's not mine. That's a powerful statement. Right. It's, it's, yeah. And I, and I, and I hate that I don't own him because I want him to be mine. I want to put him on a shelf and I want him to be okay. But it's the truth. It's like my niece called me Summer, who's a part of our tribe. She's here sometimes, our little junior uh, girl club member. But she said, she goes, I'm just calling to say that I love you guys because, you know, I'm trying to walk in my appreciation of the people I have in my life because I realize that I don't own you. And I like, she goes, I, I, you're like my parents. I never want you to be, to die, but God has shown me, I don't own you. So mm-hmm. what I do own is the day, the moment. And I can call you every moment. I think about you and tell you, I love you so that you feel my love and that, you know, I'm here. And I mean, it just, of course, you know, she had me, I was wrecked in the car driving and, you know, Roger, Roger was like, Summer, are you calling to tell me I'm dying? Because I'm not. And I'm like, oh, God, you know, this, is all more than I can <laughs> this is all more than I can stand, God. But I mean. Yeah. You guys. You know, Cynthia, as you were sharing, dude, like I. And I feel like this is something that God's given me to speak into this, even in just in your situation and in Christina's situation, is that what if you interceded and prayed for something so intensely and it was not the outcome that you thought mm-hmm. this last week dude the last almost two years specifically seven months of praying for something so intently and it was the worst outcome what i was praying against actually happened am i right and on that night I remember the Lord, it was actually the day before, and I'm talking like interceding, dude. I'm talking like, God, I I believed this was, you know, like, I'm just going to believe and I'm going to stand on it. Am I right? But the Lord brought me to the story of, you know, 1 Samuel 17 of when David defeated Goliath and how it's such a picture of the beauty of the valley because it says, you know, when David, it was like Israel was on one mountain and and, you know, the Philistines were on the other. And David had to go down to the valley, to the ravine, to get the stones before going up to, to defeat Goliath. And the Lord being in, for me, being in the gnarliest valley I've ever been in in my life, and I've been through hell and back, my friends, asked me, Christina, what are the five stones, just like David, that I've given you in the valley, coming out of this valley? What are the five stones? And I said, God, you've given me worship. You have given me resilience. You have given me courage, being able to face the hardest thing I ever had to face in my life. You've given me grit and you've given me a soft heart. Mm. I can go with these stones out of this valley to defeat this Goliath and to face what I have in this next season, because this is the beauty of what you've given me in this valley. And honestly, coming out of this valley, even though the outcome was not what I thought, the beauty of the stones God has given me in the valley is something that is a great threat to the Goliaths I'm going to face in this season, you know, going back in the industry and ministry and coming from someone, right. That my worst nightmare came true this week. I can literally say my worst nightmare came true on Thursday evening of this week. But what I did that night, I said, I got on my face. And I said, just like Job did when he lost everything. And I said, Lord, you give and you take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And you are worthy of my worship in every season of life. The good and the bad and the ugly. And to my friends out there who are maybe praying a prayer, On the other side of whatever loss, whether God answers it, yes or no, you know, healed or not healed, death or life, whatever it is, he is worthy, my friends. 
Mm. And that pit in prison I was in, God did bring me out of. Through the close of this season, in something that I will never be able to put words to, but I came out worshiping and I came back, I came out with my hands in, in praise to him because there was one thing the situation couldn't do and, he, and it couldn't steal my praise, my worship or my prayer or my surrender to the Lord. So I'm coming out of this thing with worship, with a soft heart, with grit, with resilience and with courage. Those are the stones that God gave me in the valley, which was so beautiful. And so to just speak into that with friends, God might not answer your prayers the way you think he's going to answer them when you've Mm -hmm. interceded and you've battled so hard. Same thing with me. I battled so hard on behalf of this situation. And the worst thing that I thought could have happened did when people gave confirmation against this situation and now because of my worst nightmare came true in this situation, it's not going to be good for this situation like in the future and God's going to turn it around. But my response is worship. That no matter what happens, he's worthy. And I can honestly say that coming out of the deepest valley I've ever walked out of with five stones of God's faithfulness in my life. So. I, that That is... Christina. Oh my goodness. There's a couple scriptures that I think really solidify this and they're out of the Psalms, which, you know, you're talking about David and those five stones, but Psalm 119 71 says, it is good for me that I was afflicted that I might learn your statutes. Mm. Good for me that I, I mean, you learned the statutes. I'm like awesome. And then I love this scripture, Psalm 22, 26 the afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. Uh, May your hearts live forever. Amen. May your hearts live forever. Thank you. I mean, it is the word of God is living and active. Yeah. Yeah, He's so awesome. Thank you for that, Nova. You know, I, I also, we kind of, maybe haven't talked about the obvious, but Joseph was literally thrown in a pit. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I think about the questions and the why he must have asked while he was in a pit where his brothers put him, you know? Um, He had to have felt really low. Like it, it had to have been the ultimate betrayal. You know, my, my big brothers, you know, who I love and look up to, right. Because they're jealous of me and and, Mm. and my my coach, (laughs) you know, and I think about that and I think about how, if it weren't for him going into that pit, Israel would not have been saved. Mm. Amen. So somewhere, you know, as we wrap up, this particular part of our identity, you know, as believers, it's a part of it. It's part of our journey is that we will be afflicted, you know, somewhere in that example of Joseph, I do see that for everyone involved in a small part of a bigger story, all we really see and feel selfishly and normally, and God understands, I have to believe it because he's a good father. And if my child was going through this, like I would understand. So I'm sure he understands 20 times more that we are just, we're just kids and stuff hurts. And, and it is what it is. We are what we are right in some ways. But I, I do think that as the, as day players, we're living our experience But as the one who authors the story, God saw Joseph in the pit and knew, I got to take you through this, son. I got to take you through it because I need you to save everyone. And if you don't go through all of that, I can't get you in line to be where I need you to be because it's bigger than you. 
The story is bigger than you. And I promise, you know, they're going to feel bad and you're going to be forgiven. And there are people who are going to show up and they're going to be the right kind of people. And then in all of the mess and the drama and the pain and the affliction, God is still God. (laughs) He's still on the throne and he's still God. Makes me remember the Philippa Hanna worship song that Anna sent to me one year. That is one of the, mo- the greatest worship songs I've ever heard. And I, I, de- I defy you to be able to listen to it and not fall apart because he's still God and he still reigns. And yeah, mm-hmm. we, we need to get Philippa on and, and <laughs> with her acoustic guitar and have her, have her share because he is still on the throne mm-hmm. and he is still God. And I just ask that he helps each and every one of us in our pits or in our places of affliction, whether they're physical afflictions or mental afflictions and spiritual afflictions. I just ask God from the bottom of my heart to be faithful to pulling us through all of it. You know, I, I pray for Teresa who wrote in that she could see the greater eternal glory in her physical need. You know, I pray for Donna, who wrote in about losing her 35-year-old son. Hmm. And um, she asked God why, and it took her a while to get her faith back. And I mean, that is, I can barely speak to to the message, Donna, because it's like, it's it's a deep, deep, deep fear that every mother knows, you know, Um and the fact that you got your faith back and that you can say you got your faith back blows my mind. Oh. So I just pray for us. And I, Lord, we are weak. Mm. We're weak. We're your kids, but we're weak. And you know our weaknesses and you know our, our brokennesses. And you know the cry of our hearts. Mm-hmm. And I ask that today, Father, you would lift it all off of us. And that not because we're any better than anybody else, but Lord, for those of us who are here today, right now, in this moment, could you just give us the victory? Mm -hmm. I pray that you would just give us the victory and that mental affliction would be gone and physical affliction would be gone and healed in Jesus' name. And that we would be the ones who are here for a long, 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 long time to come sharing your gospel and speaking of your goodness and walking in your blessing in the land of the living. In Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for Girl Club. I thank you for this place for all of us. I thank you, Father, for teaching us every day in so many ways about our identity as believers. I thank you, Father, even that we're afflicted only if only for the promise that it's working in us an eternal weight of glory. And Lord, when we pick up next week, I know we're going to be talking about the fact that we are heard. And that is a victory cry in answer to our afflictions. We are heard. Our prayers are heard. And you are faithful. Mm. And in Jesus' name. We bless you, we thank you, and we praise you. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Teresa. Yes, I would ask all of you guys to pray uh, selfishly. Pray for my husband. Um, pray for his full and complete healing and for a successful surgery next week on the 3rd of November that the anesthesiologist would do all the right things and everybody assisting and attending would be working and directed and overcome by the throne room that God's hands himself would actually be taking care of my husband, Roger, and that there would be no mistakes made by doctors because we have given Roger's care over to the Lord. So I thank you. If you would join me in that prayer for him, I thank you. In Jesus' name. Well, ladies, I think it's time to wrap it up. And for all of you listening and watching, 
I'm Cynthia Garrett. This is Girl Club. And from Christina Reynolds, Christina Boudreau, and Nova Page, we just say thank you. Peace out. Until next time. I'm Billy Yancey, entrepreneur, fitness cowboy, father, retired Navy cornerback, and now podcast host. Listen to my new show, Billy and the Goat, on Life Audio. Happy listening.